from the number one best-selling author of Life Rescripted. You're now tuning in to the Year of Purpose podcast. I'm Zephan Moses Blacksburg. Nicholas Cole is a writer and creative marketing strategist. His work has been published in Time, Forbes, Fortune, Inc. Magazine, Thought Catalog, Huffington Post, Business Insider, Slate, and more. He's a top writer on Quora with over 8 million article views and is the author of the ebook series Skinny to Shredded. He has helped a variety of fitness coaches, professional bodybuilders, physique models, personal trainers, gyms, health and fitness brands, as well as entrepreneurs, authors, clothing companies, and more with their marketing strategies. He's currently working on his debut memoir titled Confessions of a Teenage Gamer, detailing his years becoming one of the highest-ranked World of Warcraft players in North America and the life lessons learned through competitive video games. Cole is best known for writing about self-development. Thanks for being here today, man. Hey, I really appreciate it. And by the way, uh, the book actually came out. (laughs) Sweet. So where can people check it out? So I just released it on uh, both my website and Amazon, Confessions of a Teenage Gamer, um, Kindle version, ebook, and print. That's awesome. So that's available and out there for everybody. And this is actually something that uh, I've seen is like kind of a big deal. Like I have a friend who um, was like addicted to video games for a long time, and his whole TED talk was about that. Uh, and I never really like. I guess I didn't think about it because I was one of those weird kids where like I knew that I would get hooked on video games so I always made my friends bring their game systems over my house so I would never own one but you know I could still play with my friends yeah the the book is um it's it definitely picks apart the culture of video games both the positives and the things that you know I think a lot of people can relate to as well um obviously to become a top gamer. Uh, you know, when I was 17, I was one of the highest ranked World of Warcraft players in North America. And I had a very popular gaming blog way before anyone thought that blogging was going to be considered a viable career path. And so I was kind of part of that group of um, gaming pioneers, if you will, that came right before all of the YouTubers and the Twitch streamers. And when gaming really started to blow up on video and gave, uh, gave people an outlet to not just express themselves and build themselves online, but to also monetize and make a living off of it. So the the book is really about um, growing up, investing a lot of time into something people find to be an immeasurable waste of time, um, (laughs) but then also becoming very good at it and learning some really crucial lessons that I think set the foundation for everything that I've done since then. Yeah, I mean, I think people are pretty surprised by what you can learn from the games. Uh, You know, it gets you to think a a lot differently. Um, You know, it probably allows you to focus better. So I wouldn't be surprised if it had some benefits for those who have ADD and ADHD. Because, I mean, when you can sit there and play a game for like 20 hours straight and and not look away, not go eat, not go to the bathroom, um, I'm sure there's some some health benefits in the mind factor of it, you know, being able to just pay attention, have that laser focus, uh, and then take that into other aspects of your life. Um, how did you go from, you know, being a gamer to, like, when did the writing and the blog stuff start coming into place? Because 8 million article views, that that's quite a lot. So... It was an interesting journey, Um, and there's a bunch of chapters in there as well. You know, I went through a huge 
um, bodybuilding phase too. And it's, I still love to lift, but at the time it was, I, I was very serious about competing and wanted to compete and was spending three plus hours a day in the gym and eating a lot of food. And that's where I ultimately wrote that ebook series because I had so many people that were reaching out to me um, and asking me in the gym even too, how I went from being so skinny. You know, I grew up very, I grew up very sick. I didn't know that I had celiac disease until I was 18. So I grew up very underweight. Um, and then when I found out that it was a food allergy, my entire life kind of just restarted. Um, I felt like I was normal, like I could eat and, and be a functioning human being. And I, I just took that and ran with it. And I think that's what got me so interested in something like bodybuilding. But the writing, I've been writing since I was a kid. I went to college for creative writing, um, Columbia College in Chicago. And then my senior year, actually, one of my teachers, who is a published author, had made it a point to say that the publishing world was dying and that a lot of writers were struggling because they couldn't yet adjust to the internet. They couldn't really figure out how to build an audience or to get their work out there. And they were all operating on this old system of sending in your pitches or your cover letters to editors via mail and waiting weeks for responses. And I just, it really stuck with me. And so when I got this opportunity as an intern to be a, a copywriter for a digital agency in Chicago, I saw that as a huge learning opportunity. I really wanted to take this thing that I loved, which was writing, and apply digital marketing and awareness of advertising um, so that I could learn how to be a modern day writer. That was really the thing that um, drew me to it. And so I'm sure you got some experience that that I also got kind of fresh out of college too. You know, I worked under Dan Kennedy um, and had no clue what copywriting was until I met him. So it's right. funny to hear you say this because I've actually got a book sitting on my desk right now called How to Write Copy That Sells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, and it's an art. You know, I think, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, when I first walked into the world of advertising, you know, I had always been much more of an artist than a marketer. You know, I grew up playing classical piano and my family is extremely musical and artistic and my sister is a violinist. And so everything that I did, it was always more about preserving the, the art of it. And I was less focused on, you know, how do you market it? But then when I started working at this agency, I realized that marketing can be an art in itself and that you can write really engaging copy and really learn how to tell your story in a way that draws people in immediately. And that really interests me because it was, it was a win-win. I got people to uh, pay attention to what it was that I was putting out, and then that would draw them to the thing that I had spent even more time on, which was the art, you know, the art of writing my craft. Um, and Confessions of a Teenage Gamer is a perfect example. I spent five years on that book. And when people say, you know, they spent however many years on a project, like, I mean relentlessly for five years, writing and rewriting and rewriting the entire thing multiple times. And I, I mentioned in the, in the intro to the book, I had, I think, over 3,000 single-spaced pages on my computer by the time I was done. Wow. It's just like going back and editing and editing. And that's the thing for me. It's always about preserving the, the art first and then learning about the marketing and how you can draw people in. And so I've gotten to a place where I'm very comfortable with both. 
I'm really interested in how do really talented people attract attention for themselves, build audiences, but also how do you create something of value in the first place? I think it's really neat that you're attracted to the stories that we're telling because I'm sure this kind of plays back to being a gamer. I mean, aren't video games typically based around, you know, a pretty big storyline? Completely. It's a great parallel. And one of the most, I mean, vibrant parallels has been um, my interest in personal branding. You know, all of this really revolves around this idea of if you're an individual, how do you get people to, to pay attention to you? You know, there's a million there's a million people in every industry all trying to have their voice heard. So how are you going to stand out? And one thing that gaming really taught me, because when you're a gamer, you see yourself in the third person, right? So you see your character on your screen and you have this distance where you can sculpt your character to be whoever you want it to be. It's like your imagination of yourself. And what a lot of people don't realize is how innately gamers know how to brand themselves. If you look at any pro gamer or or just YouTuber or Twitch streamer online, they all have their personality pretty well defined. And they, they know the value of having um, professionally made graphics for their headers and you know they know how to take things that people make jokes out of on their streams and turn them into memes or hashtags. Like they're very, very good at branding themselves. And I think that it's because video games inherently create that distance where you can see yourself in the third person and taking that and applying it to entrepreneurs or to executives or business owners it allows me to see them as almost like their own character you know and i can witness them from the third person and so things that might be very obvious to me they can't see because they don't have that distance and so that's really the value that I focus on now is helping people see themselves as something that they can create um, very intentionally and obviously along the way still staying true to their message their unique story um, and doing it in a way that isn't fake that's pretty neat and so I guess I have to ask that you know in video games if we die if we mess up like very often we get the chance to hit that reset button with all these parallels to you know where people are in life and in creating their own brands and putting themselves out there to an audience you know do we get that same opportunity to you know shut down the game console in a sense and and start over it's an interesting question i have come to believe that you're not supposed to start over like even if you had the option I don't think that it would necessarily be a positive because the whole point is to learn and grow and pivot and adjust as you go along and one of the most dangerous traps that I've seen people fall into is the vicious cycle of I'm not ready yet and so what happens is they sit there knowing the thing that they want to share the thing that they want to do but they look at it and go well it's not quite ready yet. What if it's wrong? What if someone judges me for it? Instead of just putting it out, taking that feedback, learning from it, pivoting, and continuing on. And that's a really, really difficult place to be because if you're always waiting for when you're going to be ready, you're never going to be ready. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was in a similar position after launching my book. I mean, I'm... I still call myself not a writer, even though I have a book out. 
but um, you know, I got my first negative review on it. And you know, you could take it a couple ways, right? Like you could go in, you could hit the reply, and you could write this angry letter back. Uh, or you could look at it and say, okay, you know, it, plenty of people loved it. One person had some feedback. So maybe, you know, let's look at this and see if this rubbed them the wrong way, you know, if we could have changed it, if we could become better, if we could improve, um, you know, and just take it into consideration for next time. Okay, so that's a great, a great little uh, side note. So in gaming, I'll, so this was me as a teenager, right? Like I gamed between the ages of 14 and 18, hardcore. I was, I liked you know, games when I grew up, but the hardcore gaming years were 14 to 18. And that was where I first started sharing my writing online. Um, and that was, I had a gaming blog and at first it was sort of gameplay strategies. And then after that it was teenage ramblings and basically sharing funny slash awkward stories. Um, also behind this persona of this kid who was just kind of like, I don't care. No one can tell me anything. You know what I mean? And a lot of kids related to it. They found it very funny. So the thing that people don't realize about hardcore gaming is that on the internet, that's pretty much the toughest audience you could possibly endure because gamers do not hold anything back. I mean, any sort of locker room talk that someone has experienced playing sports, multiply that by 50, and that's the sort of banter that goes on with hardcore gaming. And so for me as a 17-year-old, to have my first piece of writing put, on, put online and have comments ranging from, hey, man, this is awesome. I really love what you're doing. Keep it up, all the way to... I hope you die and tomorrow morning when you wake up and go to school, you get hit by a bus. <laughs> like, and that's like the kind version. You know, I'm leaving out like all the expletives. Sure. That, that was a daily, hourly occurrence. And that's just how gamers talk to each other. And it's if you're not used to that culture, you step into it and you're like, this is the most abusive thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But that's the way that gamers talk. And so for me now... I put out all this writing. I mean, I, I write on Quora. I get over a million views on Quora a month. So, and on Inc, I write for Inc Magazine. That's about half a million a month. So I have a pretty good amount of people that read what I put out. And I'll see someone respond back with something like, this article was, you know, subpar. And then a bunch of other people will reply and be like, that's not nice. Don't say that on the internet. And I'm sitting there like, you guys have no idea. Like to me, that is that is nothing. Like yeah. I, I'm, I see the positive. I'm moving. I'm doing what I love. It's all good. But gaming really gave me some some thick skin, and I really appreciate it now. That's awesome. I mean, I think that you kind of have to have that thick skin if you're gonna p start putting yourself out there even more and continue to write and, you know, continue to keep going. And I know that you had mentioned before uh, we jumped on the call that recently you actually left your full-time job and took a big leap of faith. Um, yeah. Maybe share with everybody kind of what led up to that, uh, you know, what inspired you to do so and, you know, what your plans are from here. Well, I think what's interesting is the leap, as they call it, you know, um, it seems like such a leap before the fact. 
And then after I made my decision, I realized that it wasn't really a leap at all. It was just the next logical step. Um, and I think there's a really big difference between the people who don't necessarily enjoy what they're doing or want to be doing something else and they don't have um, what it is that they want to be doing set up for them and so they just focus on well maybe I'll leave my job and then I'll figure it out and to me that's when it's a leap because you're truly just you're off the cliff and you have no idea where you're gonna land and you're just hoping that's you know somehow you'll figure it out before you reach the bottom and some people do that and some and sometimes it works um, for me I was much more deliberate. I have been writing online for the past three and a half years. I've built a sizable audience. Um, I've been able to make money off of it, uh, to sustain myself. So it wasn't so much a leap as much as it was now the, oppor like the opportunities are in front of me and now I want to take the next step and invest even more time into them very clear on what I want to be doing, where I want to spend my time. Um, and I think that's really the difference. You need to have that vision and those clear actionable steps in place before you just dive into midair. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you take a risk like that, you should at least have a plan of where you want to go within the next year or so. I mean, even I'm one of those people who doesn't have uh, a five-year plan. I, I go more of the one to three-year plan because I like not being locked into something. I like being able to change and, and pivot and grow. Um, and so, you know, at least if you know where you're going to be for the next 12 months, uh, that's probably the best place to start because, uh, you know, many people don't. And then they take the leap and then they realize that they didn't really have a parachute uh, and it causes trouble. But, you know, Take a jump with parachute that you packed nice and clean, and uh, you'll have a smooth ride down. Right. So what comes next for, you know, someone who's got an amazing, uh, you know, I guess fan base or audience when it comes to your writing? I mean, how are you looking to build and grow and, you know, continue to use things that you've learned from being a gamer and, and continue to take that thick skin and you know, just use that to, to get to the next level? It's a great question. Um, well, the gaming parallel, the one, the biggest takeaway from that for me was always surrounding yourself with uh, better and better players. You know, when I was playing World of Warcraft, I was, I was pretty relentless in my ability to go to a server, play with the best, and then kind of have no attachment and say, it's time for me to go somewhere else and find um, other great players to learn from and play with and uh, train with. So I'm always looking for people that I feel like I can learn from because that's the fastest way to learn and that's how you get better and better. Um, in terms of the writing, I sort of have two, two routes. One is I'm very interested in memoirs. So Confessions of a Teenage Gamer is a memoir. And my plan is, you know, I have a series of memoirs that follow it and book two, book three, book four, and they all sort of move in chronological order, telling different chapters and different lessons learned along the way. That's my, my art, if you will. Um, and then the other side is that uh, through all of this, 
I'm, I'm learning a lot about marketing and personal branding and really the actionable steps for, okay, if I want to build an audience for myself, that's great, but I know that other people want to build audiences for themselves too. So I, I also want to do a parallel series, um, the first one being you know, this idea on how to leap. You know, when you are a millennial or in your mid-20s or um, really wherever, how do you take that leap of faith or of trust in yourself to be able to do what it is that you love on a consistent basis um, and provide for yourself? And that intersection of doing something that you enjoy that you would want to spend as much time as possible doing while also being conscious of how you're going to support yourself doing it. And I noticed that's a, a tricky intersection because those two worlds seem to be somewhat divided. It's almost like you have to pick. You're either doing something to make money or you're doing something because you genuinely love it. And then they can't come together. And I never understood why. For me, I, I love writing. That's what I love to do. But I also know that I can't write as much as I want to if I'm working someplace doing something that has absolutely nothing to do with that, for example, unless that's teaching me certain skills that I want to learn and apply. Right. So I'm all about that golden intersection and working with people and helping them figure out not just how do you build an audience and get your work in front of people, but also are you doing what you love in the first place, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that that intersection is something that, you know, pops up at certain points in time, right? Like, um, I love to travel. Uh, one of my big things was I always wanted to, you know, just see the entire world. And so this summer, I was fortunate enough to take uh, about 40 kids from my youth group across Europe. And, you know, when I do that, I, I recognize that I'm putting my business on hold. I mean, I can't run my company and manage, you know, all these little high schoolers running around Europe at the same time. Now, I never thought that I could run the company from being on the road, but believe it or not, I landed one of my largest clients uh, through an email just sitting on my iPad in a hotel in Paris. <laughs> that's awesome. And so that's where I kind of saw like, I like that you call it kind of like this golden intersection because there's there's going to be these little blips that kind of pop up on your radar that give you hints and clues as to, you know, what it could look like uh, for you to, to be in that sweet spot. Um, and that certainly was one of them for me, you know. And it happened actually another time about two years ago, right before the, the podcast even started. I was on um, a trip around around the country. I took two months off. And I was basically couch surfing and, and travel hacking my way around the country. And I thought, you know, here I go. I'm risking it all. Like my business might be gone when I get back. <laughs> and I, you know, forgot that I like had my laptop with me and I had my iPhone with me. And, you know, I was booking work on the road and basically saying, hey, guys, like I can totally do this for you, but I can't start for like three or four weeks because I'm not home yet. Right. And, you know, I booked like five or six thousand dollars in one month just from the road and I didn't even do the work while I was gone I waited till I came back so I think that there's definitely little places in time where it's going to pop up for you but it's probably more about being aware of what's going on when it happens and saying oh wow like this is exactly what I said I wanted to do and I'm doing it absolutely and especially on that note too you can't possibly attract that 
until you're consciously making the space for that in your life. Right. You know, I, that's another really hard part is you, you can't be working nine, you know, 9am to six, seven, 8pm and just expect that massive shift to kind of come out of nowhere. You, you really need to create the space and the time where those opportunities start opening up and coming to you. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I'm curious to ask you this, you know, if someone is interested in writing, you know, if they're looking for an opportunity to do something, you know, similar to you, they, I know a lot of people that, you know, majored in English that went to college with me and just had no clue how they would be able to create an income coming out of school. What's your best advice for someone who, you know, just truly loves to write and wants to keep going with it and wants it to go somewhere? You have to practice in public. That's the big, the big thing. If you ask any English major, creative writer, anybody that just loves to journal or write short stories, or I would say any artist, period, you have to practice in public. And for me, that means you have to put your work out there in places, whether that's online or doing little local shows or readings or wherever, where you can get actual human feedback. You cannot just sit at your desk and do draft after draft after draft and at some point think it's suddenly all going to be done and perfect and then you know, you're know you going to get your million dollar deal and you're done. It just doesn't work like that. The way I did it was through a website called Quora. So it's a question answer site. It's very cool. Um, the way I describe it is it's what Yahoo Answers should have been. And what drew me to it is that anyone can ask a question and anyone can answer, but you're getting really great answers from really credible people. So if you're interested in entrepreneurship and you have a successful entrepreneur or an angel investor or a VC respond to your question, that's really valuable because you're getting your answer from the source. Um, So what I noticed was the best writers on Quora taught people and answered their questions, but also told their own unique story. And they, again, it was this intersection of you're helping people and you're answering questions, but you're also doing it in a storytelling, creative sort of way. And so instead of someone answering a question about entrepreneurship saying, here, you need to do step one, two, and three, they'll say, I learned this lesson because when I was you know, 24, I decided to go out on my own. Everything crashed and burned. I was sleeping on my friend's couch. And suddenly you have this picture in your mind and you realize that you're learning, but you're also reading their story. And that's really what drew it to me. And so I just started writing on Quora every single day. I made it a rule, one, one article on Quora a day. And I did that for a year. And within a year, I had over 8 million views. You know, Now I'm over 13 million. I built a, an audience of, I think at the time, within a year, it was... Uh, 6,000, 8,000 followers. Wow. Um, I had one of my articles go viral, front page of Reddit, had over a million views. I had another couple of them do over 250,000 views. I had one of them published in Quora's print anthology. So I actually got the print book like sent to me. So nice. I have that, which was awesome. I got the top writer badge. I got invited to the top writer conference in New York. I mean, it just like, 
every credibility i had work published in time forbes fortune business insider huffington post like every single badge that i could have asked for as a writer i got through quora and the and it was simply because i was putting out work on a daily basis and sometimes people would read it and say ah oh, you know i don't agree with what you wrote here okay great i'll try again tomorrow or sometimes people would really vibe with it and go reading this today changed my entire day That's so cool. You have to practice in public. You have to get feedback on what it is that you're doing. Otherwise, you're you're going to fall into that trap of I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Every day you're ready. You just got to do it. I like that. That that last part there is a pretty solid quote. <laughs> yeah. Let's turn it into a quote graphic. Yeah, yeah totally. It's, but that's I believe so firmly in that and it's so hard because I like I said, I'm not a I'm not a marketer trying to appear as a you know, as, as a creative or, or an artist, I'm an artist first. That's really what I care about. And all of, all of my closest friends are artists and I went to school of artists and it's so hard to see people that are so talented withhold what it is that they create because they're afraid. It's very, very hard. And so for someone who it's not that I haven't been afraid too, I just have been ruthless in finding ways to overcome that. And so I, one of my biggest things is I want to pass that along and I want to help other talented people who really do have quality to share, figure out how they can get over those fears and actually just put their work out there and realize that it'll always get better. It'll always improve. That's awesome. I, I think that it's, it's definitely coming from that authentic place of just wanting to help more people. Um, you know, and I think that's why so many of us enjoy doing these things. Like, that's why I enjoy putting out the podcast is like, it was never for me to be a marketer. It was never for me to, you know, like build a multi-million dollar business. Like it was first and foremost, always out of my own curiosity, you know, to see what I could learn from it and to see how I could share it with other people. Completely. So as we come towards the end of the episode here, um, you know, I don't really want the conversation to stop here. I'd love for people to find out the best ways to get in touch with you, to keep track of what you're doing, um, you know, how they can maybe check out Cora if they've never even looked at it before. Um, what do you recommend for everyone? So Quora, spelled Q-U-O-R-A.com. Um, you can find me on there, Nicholas Cole. I'm also very active on Instagram. I like to approach Instagram a little differently, actually. I treat it sort of like a micro blog. So, you know, most people just do a short little caption, couple emojis and call it a day. Um, but I like, I like writing, you know, I like sharing something with every picture that I put out. So I try and keep Instagram as its own unique expression too. And then my blog, nicholascole.com. Um, for example, one thing that I really enjoy doing with blogging is putting out all of the sort of behind the scenes or process, uh, content. Um, because I, I write daily for ink and I contribute to entrepreneur and a lot of, it's a lot of output. And so I like to use my blog as sort of a more reflective thing. I'll put, I'll put helpful, you know, topics and blogs on there as well, but I really like treating it almost like a public journal. And for example, uh, after I put out confessions of a teenage gamer, I went back and did a whole blog kind of recapping how the book came to be. Um, going back to, you know, when I first came up with the idea of it, 
what some of the early drafts were, um, the process of writing. Uh, I showed some screenshots of like all the different folders that I have on my computer with like different drafts of the book. So I, I really like going back and looking at the process of it because that to me is always one of the most exciting things. I love seeing artists in the studio or seeing artists working on their craft. Um, but it also is what teaches people too. You know, it's very, anybody can put out a finished product and, and just market that. Right. Um, but what a lot of people don't share is how did that thing actually happen in the first place? You know, and that is how then other aspiring content creators or artists or whoever can kind of draw the parallel to their own life and their own process and feel reassured that, you know, it's not just an easy road from A to B. It takes twists and turns and that's okay. Awesome, man. Well, I want to thank you again for being here today. And if there's any sort of lasting piece of advice that you want to leave for everyone, um, you know, any remaining words of wisdom, what would that be? Take the leap, man. <laughs> if you if you know what it is that you love to do, either start working hard on it now so that you can one day do it. Um, yeah, no, just do that. <laughs> start putting in, yeah, start moving the pieces in the right direction today because you'll be surprised if you do a little bit every day. It'll start to compound and add up faster than you think. Totally. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for being here and uh, definitely looking forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, thank you again for having me. It's always, always fun to get to chat with a fellow entrepreneur and someone else who had taken the leap. Hey, everyone, it's Zeph. Did you like this episode? Be sure to subscribe so that you can tune in next week and tell a friend about the show. If you want access to free training and exclusive interviews on success, happiness, lifestyle design, and adventure, visit me at yearofpurpose.com. Until next time, go out and let life surprise you so that you can live a life rescripted. scripted